This is Air Commander Starscream, and you are listening to Half Measures. Uh, Half Measures? Sounds like Megatron's battle strategy. <laughs> This episode of Half Measures is brought to you by Time Travelling Team. I'm Trisha. Each week, Paul and Dan do a fantastic job guiding us through the wide world of movies and TV shows. Meanwhile, my co-host Paddy and I are taking a trip through the time vortex and discussing the wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey world of Doctor Who. Starting back from the earliest adventures in 1963, we're discussing the stories, the Doctor, the companions and the villains of this iconic show. You can find us at Time Team on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy as Paul and Dan do their thing, half-measure style. Kia ora, and welcome to episode 41 of the Half-Measures podcast. I am joined by the man of the hour, Paul Kanawa. Paul, how are you today? Kia ora, Dan. I'm good, thanks. Yeah, looking forward to getting stuck in. I've been watching a few things this week. One of the shows you've reviewed before, I've watched now, and I'm excited to give you my thoughts on it because I think it's a little bit different to what you thought. I've just said hello. I haven't even asked you what you've been watching, and you're straight down the business. <laughs> I know. I just, I've been so excited to talk about this. I don't know why. I just, I love it when our opinions are different. So I'm just jumping straight in. And we've got, look, we've got lots of um, uh, Walking Dead World Beyond. We've got Mandalorian. We've got all the good things to talk about. So, like tradition dictates, let's get straight down the business. Paul. What have you been watching? So then, I'm going to start where I want to do. The Watchmen. This was a show that I've been wanting to watch for a while. I'd started, kind of started watching it and then stopped a few episodes in. don't know if you remember me talking about that. I kind of never went back. Not sure why. And so following your recommendation, I decided to go back and give this another go. And we actually started this right from the start again, as it had been a while. So there was a lot about this series that I really, really liked. I, I, like, I love the music, for example. The Stranger Things vibe blended in with that sort of Blade Runner, plus a sort of a, a sprinkle of soul on the side. That was that was great. I loved the the writing style and the language that they used. Found that a real nice uh, nice combo. The cast, real good. Um, in particular, uh, Regina, Regina King and Jeremy Irons. I thought they were both brilliant. Don Johnson, whilst he was in it, was great. I like some of the themes it played with, especially look, in the current climate. Some of those issues are quite poignant, right? Quite thought-provoking. I'm sensing a giant butt. <laughs> I enjoyed some of the sci-fi elements as well, Dan. But here it comes. Thanks for, for calling me out on that. Yeah, so as a package, I can't put my finger on it, Dan. I just don't know. I the easiest way I can explain it, and I don't know how this works with you, but I never felt that compelled to watch it. And that's always a sign for me that I'm just not into it. So this is where Diana had to say to me several times, oh, shall we watch another Watchman?" And I'm kind of like, oh, yeah, I guess I need to. And when watching something feels like a chore, I don't know what that's about. That just that's that that's that's when this podcast becomes <laughs> like the closest thing to, to work that I've ever described. And I thought, well, no, we'll finish this because we started it. And like I said, I just listed all those things that I really like. But it's kind of like that with Fargo season four, actually, um, which is which is a conversation we'll have for um, a, another time. But um, yeah, I can't really um, explain it. 
It's um, look, I I wasn't as hooked into it as Samara was hooked into it when we started watching it, but I think it kind of took me on a bit of a journey of episodes I really loved, episodes that were maybe not quite doing it as much for me. But I thought overall, as a standalone package, it had enough interesting uh, concepts and com- components and all of the things that you've touched on, the the actors, the music, the uh just, just the, the different way they, they, they told the story I thought was really interesting. Uh, but, look, I, I appreciate it. It's probably not one for everybody, but it did feel kind of topical at the time that I was watching it. Mm, yeah, it's definitely topical. And I, I don't know. I felt like maybe there were some things that just weren't answered or that they'd left. They sort of started parts of the story and then that sort of amounted to nothing and uh, like a lot of loose ends. I don't know. Maybe they're going to tidy some of those up if there is a, a second season or whatever. Maybe I would feel differently as well if I was a fan of the comics or if I'd watched the movie. Um, but yeah, to be honest, if they ever did make any more, I probably would still still watch it or at least give it a go because like I said, it is quite well done. But um, it's it's just not quite my thing. That's okay, Paul. Not everything can be for everybody. Yeah. I do think that, um, you know, because this is a, a limited series, and I think when it first came out, I don't think that it was known that it was going to be a limited series. And I think there was a lot of uh, fear and unknowingness. So the creator of the, the Watchmen TV show is uh, Damon uh, Lindelof, who you may remember from Lost, which we still have a lot of unanswered questions and things from that TV show. And even I felt watching The Watchmen when I did, which was a, a little bit later than when it first came out, I found myself throughout the whole show thinking, are we going to get answers to this? How, how invested should I be in this uh, mm. story? Yeah, it's... Uh... It's weird because everything about it screams that I should like it, and when it doesn't quite click, I find that morbidly fascinating as to as to why that is. But um, but there we go. It's watched, and um, we'll see if if we get a second a second season at any point. Um, doesn't look like a doesn't look like it's likely though. But you never know. Never say never. Um, another thing I'll talk about quickly. Um, now Discovery. I Star Trek Discovery. I haven't talked about it for a couple of weeks. I really don't want to give you any spoilers because I know you're on that journey. Um, but I feel that I do want to mention this week's episode from season three because it, it really did a couple of quite significant things, I thought. So I've mentioned before that Discovery is kind of unlike anything we've had in Star Trek before where you know we've got at the, this point in time no ships traveling at warp speed. There's no more Federation as such as you know, a lot of the things that – we normally associate with Star Trek aren't really a thing anymore. It's very odd. Anyway, this episode did something that hasn't been done before, as it um, contained footage of an older Leonard Nimoy as Spock. Um, and we had people from Discovery, which of course is set before Kirk and Spock from the original series, watching this footage. And furthermore, in this footage, Spock is actually talking to Jean-Luc Picard, which is from the next generation and so that's kind of bizarre and it's not just a few quick seconds either it was actually him talking at length so it's it's like a whole scene being played and the footage is actually from 1991 and taken from a 
a next generation episode called unification part one and two and this episode of discovery is called unification part three and i just found it absolutely fascinating that um there's no one that could have imagined back in 91 that this there would be a third part to this story would air some 29 years later it was it was quite extraordinary it was it was a really nice episode for a you know for, for the fanboys out there so to speak as a star trek fan i would be imagining that you are gonna you would have set your faces to giddy and it would have been a, a right old good time <laughs> those phases were definitely set to giddy thank you dan for putting that so well um look i yeah i'm not going to give away any more but as a track fan i did feel a little giddy and i felt like i wanted just to talk a little bit about that episode it's kind of special um i just never thought i would be seeing a character from the original series guest starring in a next generation episode being played in an episode of modern day star trek it's a great time to be alive dan it really is it's good look i think good things come to those who wait and it's uh i can imagine look, as a you know, as a as a fan of other genres and a a newer fan to the Star Trek universe, I can imagine it would be would have been quite exciting to see all of those different components come together. So that that's awesome. It definitely was. Um, I'll just move quickly along just to quickly mention then that I have taken another recommendation from you following on from Watchmen. I've started watching Wayne on Amazon Prime. I'm a few episodes in. I am liking it. I will be back either next week or maybe after with a with a series review for you but yeah I, w- I will say this you were definitely right about this show Dan. it is a good time and just confirming were you saying wayne or the wayne i was saying wayne thank you for, for clarifying my accent on that one i appreciate it now i don't want to hear any watchman type reviews about wayne because wayne is special to me much like cobra kai so only come back to the table with something positive Okay. I can I can 100% guarantee that's going to be the case because even this these few episodes in I'm I'm in, I'm loving it and I can't wait to watch the next one. So yeah. Uh that's all I've got uh, other than the things we've uh, watched together Dan. So um what have you been watching? Yeah, well I'm probably a little bit in a, a similar boat. I haven't watched a lot. Um I have been continuing my watch of Broad City, which I mentioned last week as the the palate cleanser. I'm actually racing through it pretty quick. I'm up to about season four now. There's only five seasons. I think the first couple of seasons were definitely its peak. It's gone down a little bit for me, and I don't know whether that's just because I've watched too much of it, um, but I've regularly got it on in the background if I'm doing something else and I'm just kind of blazing through the episodes. Hmm. It's a fun time. I just think the the laughs are a little bit, the humor is a little bit different um, as the seasons progress, but I'll, and I don't think I've seen seasons four or five before, but I'm looking forward to probably wrapping that up in the next week or so. Okay. I have been watching, I've talked before on the podcast um, about the American version of the TV show Shameless. And so they've just added uh, season 10 onto Netflix and Shameless is a real guilty pleasure watch for me. And it's a show that I just put on. I just, you know, have a great time. There's so much crazy antics in there. They've got a great cast. I've been with the the, the family of Shameless for, for 10 seasons. There's um, one final 11th season coming out next year. Uh, I'm, I'm about halfway through the season, but I really love hanging out with the Gallaghers. I love seeing what they're up to. I love uh, William H. Macy. I love seeing all the family, like Carl, Lip, 
the Kevin, Debbie, they're all, Ian, they're all so great and they're all so interesting. So I'm just kind of having a, it's like a dirty binge where I feel like I, I just, like I can't wait to sit down and watch an episode and I don't want it to end at the same time. So it's, it's a lot of fun. If you've never watched any Shameless, um, I highly recommend it. There is a UK version and a US version. Mm. I've only ever um, watched the US version, but it's a good time. 134 episodes as well. It's really quite a, you know, and that many seasons, it can't be wrong. I'm just looking at the guys who've made it. So John Wells is a producer from ER and the West Wing. And then you've got um, Paul Abbott, who obviously produced the other version of Shameless and Cracker and State of Play, other great UK shows as well. It's um, It's got great ratings. I, I'm amazed it's never made it onto my radar. 8.6 out of 10 from 200,000 votes on IMDb. It's it's pretty up there, right? It can be quite a um, a hard a hard watch because it's basically about this um, Chicago family and, and they're on the real low socioeconomic end and nothing but terrible things happen to them. Uh, Frank, who's played by William H. Macy, he's like a real scumbag. He, you know, does terrible things to his family he's always stealing from them he's always ruining any type of good fortune that comes their way so it's not for everyone but it's there's something kind of charming about it that always makes it an enjoyable watch for me and you've also got cameron uh, monaghan in it uh he he plays the part of ian gallagher and i i really liked him from from gotham, gotham. from his, his portrayal of the joker and he's also uh he's also the the lead in um the 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 Star Wars uh, my goodness the name escapes me you know the the game goodness gracious uh, Jedi you, Jedi, Jedi oh, Fallen Order Jedi Fallen yeah, Order yeah yeah who are we Paul we we're, we're too old to remember Star Wars titles we should know this correct correct uh, yeah no look it's it, it's a great cast and it's 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 one of those TV shows that um, top ten TV shows it's probably always going to feature if not in my top 10 around like really high up there because it's, it's such a fun time. Um, I've progressed a little bit more with discovery, not quite as far as I would have liked. Um, but I'm watching this with Samara. So I'm having to, she's been quite busy with work. So just having to sort of watch it when uh, we can both focus on it. So I've only watched one episode, but so this is episode three, which is context is for Kings. Mm. And so this is basically where, um, I always want to call her Sasha. This is where um, Michael Burnham basically arrives on Discovery. Uh, she's been transported um, to the prison, prison colony, or whatever, whatever happens in Star Trek prison. I imagine that's where you go to watch old episodes of of Star Trek. Um, but it was a, a really great episode. Further reconfirmed for us that this is definitely a show for us. We're getting really hooked into the characters. Great to see that she's now on, actually on the Discovery, mm. and to see how the story is going to play out. I love that. I love that episode because I know that the, the two opening episodes are obviously officially the pilot, but this one kind of feels like the first proper episode of Discovery in many respects. And you know, she's she's realizing that things aren't what they seem. She's starting to get a sense that maybe you know Captain Lorca isn't isn't quite what we think he might be um it, it's it is a great season and i'm glad i'm glad you enjoyed this one because uh yeah on the subject of um prisons and penal colonies uh in the world of star trek dan the uh, the penal colonies in the future are based in auckland new zealand and there's a couple of different episodes uh, across uh, star trek voyager and i believe 
Star Trek Enterprise. I'm not sure now. My goodness, I really am losing the plot. But definitely a couple of series where they reference the fact that the when people go to prison, when they go to the penal colony, they're off to New Zealand. You, you're not pulling my leg. This is actually serious. This is a, this is a dead serious thing. There's worse places wow. in the world to go to prison than than New Zealand. I mean, maybe Auckland. That's a different kettle of fish, eh? It's where you have to go and survive the traffic and <laughs> the humidity and the the Auckland house prices. And four seasons of weather in one day. That's right. That's right. So, um, so nothing overly um, new apart from, as you said before, our joint watches. So just progressing with a bunch of TV shows. Um, and I'm hoping as we get kind of into the into the silly season, I'll be able to get back on, hopefully get through more Star Trek Discovery, hopefully get into the Pacific, um, start, start sort of cleaning up that backlog of shows that I've been talking about throughout the year. So it must be time for us to talk about The Mandalorian. The Mandalorian. Dan, what an absolutely outrageous episode. I honestly thought they would not be able to top the season premiere. I honestly thought that could have been potentially the best Mandalorian episode ever, but I think they did with this one, though. I have never wanted to, you know, this this term might be is probably a little bit insensitive, but I, I think of the term like fangirl, like someone like to really like freak out about something. Mm. I feel like I was fanboying out about Ahsoka before she even appeared on screen, and when she appeared um, instantly in sort of the opening scene, I was like, I was I was level ten, I was hyped, I was guns akimbo, guns were blazing, guns were being cocked and locked and loaded and, and it was great but uh, and we, we got so much from this episode oh we really did and like you said we got it straight right from the start the way they started they, they were straight in straight in with ahsoka and it was just great to be able to see it and her sabers are such a pure white that it lights up her face so brilliantly that it actually kind of i thought gave her almost an animated vibe because the colors were so bright but uh, vibrant because you know if you've got if you imagine you've got two white lights in your face you, you're going to be more visible it was just it was just the look um rosario dawson immaculate casting superb yeah i thought you know and, and we've talked about it previously around how is uh so who's going to translate into live action how's the 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 makeup and the effects going to work is the voice going to still work for us compared from what we've been watching on the animated shows and I think, you know, overall, it was a fantastic experience. The only thing I, I thought made me um, raise a slight eyebrow, but I understand why they've done it, is Ahsoka's, uh, uh, what do they call them? The, the head, her, uh, her. Like what is essentially hair, but is actually part of the, yeah. the body. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Like they're obviously a lot longer. Um, in the animated series and I, and I think one of the reasons why they're not longer from what I've read around the internet is it's purely just a, uh, a fix and how they kind of move and flow with the body and particularly with mm. someone like Ahsoka mm. who's quite a, a nimble character who's who's jumping around all the place they need to look natural and real and I think you've got to give some some leeway when you're translating from animated to uh, live action. I agree. And I think we've also seen a difference in Ahsoka's appearance between Clone Wars and Rebels, the the different animation styles. I noted what you just said as well. I noted that the stripes on those were, were slightly, the blue stripe was slightly thinner than we we're maybe accustomed to in animation. But I, I've noticed 
with other characters that have made the the jump across from from animation to to movie or or vice versa that often the look is 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 a little bit different and uh i'm i'm perfectly fine with that but yeah i definitely picked up on it too i feel like there's obviously lots to talk about with this episode but i feel like i hope we see ahsoka again this Mm. season i'm not sure whether we will or not i definitely want a live action ahsoka tv show give it to me now um and i think just seeing the the mandalorian and ahsoka team up what a powerhouse yeah and i think again i echo everything you've said I, I'm not sure if we will see her again in the series. If we do, I'm picking, because we've only got three episodes less than, I'm picking it will be the finale. I, I'm still picking there's going to be something something real bad going down between you know Moff Gideon, between Bo-Katan, Mando, and now Ahsoka. Um, but on the subject of Mando, when Mando gets her caught in the court that wraps around her, she just smiles and jumps up. And it's such an Ahsoka thing to do, particularly the smile. It's just great attention to detail. And of course, of course, there's attention to detail because this character that, you know, was created by George Lucas is essentially Dave Filoni's. That, that's right. And I think every, every moment every moment that we saw Ahsoka on screen, every, I think, glance, look, movement, I think translated so well for me, it, mm. it, I think, truly embraced ahsoka and you as a as a fan you i couldn't have asked for more we finally have a name for the child uh grogu i i have to admit i still like hearing mando say hey kid i find that really awesome i i i I don't want to hear him use the name for some reason but uh what do you think yeah i'm i'm still a fan of the kid i'm still a fan of the child i'm still a fan of baby yoda i don't know whether grogu um overly resonates that strongly with me but in the scheme of things i'm not sure it probably matters too much you know we've got a name for the mandalorian but what we always call him the mandalorian mm. so yeah true it's, it is it is what it is i thought it was really cool the way that ahsoka and uh, grogu were kind of interacting and kind of just the the smiles and the the force related sort of conversation they were having and how it sort of like the way it played out, that you knew that they were having a, um, a deeper conversation about history and context and what and what had happened, and obviously um, Grogu's name. And again, it was a really good way to kind of show how information was being shared quickly, but obviously on a on an episode we don't have time to recap every single event that that Grogu has been through. So, mm-hmm. I, I found um, the the way she was explaining to the Mandalorian about uh, the force very much. You know, she used almost word for word how Obi-Wan described the force to, to Luke in a, in a new hope. Um, I thought that was, was quite nice. Um, the, the fact that of course, someone, uh, he remembers someone taking him from the temple. Doesn't know who lots of theories out there on the internet, who that might be. Uh, Yoda got mentioned. There was a real nice use of the, the Yoda theme in the music. Very, very subtle when Yoda's name is mentioned. That was, that was really, really great. Um, her reference to Anakin, you know, pretty subtle. But for anyone who's watched Clone Wars and Rebels, we know what she's been through with him and then facing Vader. So when she sort of says, oh, I sense much fear in you. And once again, we've got another Jedi saying, I'm not going to train him. I mean, I don't know how many times we've heard various Jedi in different incarnations just saying, no, too old, too old to begin the training. I'm not going to train him. 
It's always the way. Yeah, it's funny, right? I kind of I feel sorry for the Mandalorian just being like, you know, dead end after dead end after dead end. I think the exciting thing though about, you know, go to this go to this Jedi temple, um, you know, do your thing. That that to me, you know, because obviously we, I'm jumping ahead now, the mention of Thrawn in this episode. Oh. Does that does does that mean is Ezra going to be the one to sort of callback is it going to be a new jedi is it going to be uh, another luke is it you know who is going to be the one and now i'm just sort of dancing around but i was almost surprised in that episode that moff gideon didn't turn up because remember they're tracking mm -hmm. um the razor crest and i thought there might have been sort of at the last minute a moff gideon kind of turn up at the end of the episode yeah i good call i think they may start the next one with that they're definitely they're definitely going to obviously play on the fact that they've been tracking the ship. Interesting, you mentioned Ezra because my my eleven year old son who who watched it with me that was the first thing he he said. It's going to be Ezra. It's going to be Ezra. The mention of Grand Admiral Thrawn, just the excitement of that, the story of that. If you'll allow me, just for a second, started off in non-canon novels, then got brought into canon via Rebels, the animated series. Now we've got a trilogy of books and another trilogy on the way and now he's being mentioned in live action surely we have to see him in live action that's really really exciting so yeah grand and Thrawn, certainly exciting um i just wanted to touch on so the the fight with the magistrate a uh, couple of things one who knew beskar could repel a lightsaber um, that's that's kind of handy. Uh, I can think of a few people who could have benefited with that over the last, um, I don't know, 40 odd you're, years. You're invincible. If you were in Beskar, like, uh, particularly when he was using his um, wrist guards to give like a, a Wonder Woman style kind of blocking <laughs> of the lightsaber, I was like, no wonder he's just running into, in, you know, a stormtrooper laser bolt. That's, that's no thing when you can take on a, a full on, you know, two lightsaber blades. I feel like if I was a Jedi, I might you know, get some Beska. I feel like that could come in handy in, in any number of uh, fighting situations. I thought um, the the magistrate, uh, her her offsider, the the the, the ex military guy Lang, um, played by Michael Bean, uh, Michael Bine, Michael Bean, Bine. How are we deciding to say this name? Bine, I think. Should we by Bine? Yeah, Michael Bine. Um, I really loved it. Uh, I thought the best line of the episode, uh, despite everything being so great, I thought he had the best line of the episode where he was sort of facing the Mandalorian and they can hear this battle going on behind the wall. And he just says, who do you think is going to win? <laughs> and they're just like listening to the noises. And then he's like, oh, sounds like you won. I thought that was great. It was great. Um, I also thought it was great that the Mandalorian got uh, a Beskar weapon. Mm. Um, obviously, that's going to be used, I imagine, for some type of dark saber fight um in the coming episodes uh the other thing i think we need to give a call out for and i, I presume you would have noticed this paul because you're all about the detail is when we first saw ahsoka and there was one of those birds in the tree is it a a more a one mm -hmm. of you know mm -hmm. one of those beings that's connected to the force yeah. and i thought again this is such a fantastic clone wars rebels throwback um and just something subtle not for you know really for people that really have been on the full journey that's, you're absolutely right, and I did spot it. And I liked what you just said about how it was subtle. It was just it was there for people who know what it is, who've watched the series, who could see it in the background. But for anyone who's never seen the series and didn't see it, it hasn't. It's not been in your face, come right across the screen and been too blatant. It was really nicely done. 
the, the force jumping as well, Ahsoka, all over the place, force jumping, just like she would in the series. So good to see. I was thinking for a, a moment when Ahsoka was facing off against the magistrate that the magistrate was going to um, pop a red lightsaber, and I was like, this is going to be great, um, especially when Ahsoka was referring to who's your master, what's going on. I was like, you've got to be a Sith apprentice. Like, like I really wanted that red lightsaber, but I was like, do it. Yeah, that, really that was it would have been a real nice moment, eh? There's, there's, there is something in all of Star Wars that has always kind of bugged me. It's kind of been a bit of a, a, a bit of a, a loophole, and it's come up a few times, and it came up again in this episode, and that is where someone who wields the power of the Force is fighting against someone who is sort of matching them blow for blow in, in some sort of saber or beskin fight, but they're not utilizing the Force because the other person doesn't have the Force. And so realistically, Ahsoka should be able to just Force push this person. They should be able to lift them up. Or, or whatever else, and I just think, why why don't you use that secret weapon that the other person doesn't have? You're a Sith, Paul. A Jedi would never fight like that. But you're right, because if you were a real a real badass with it, you could just crush someone instantly, right? Like you could just be fighting them and be like, I've had enough, crush. Yeah. Now, there's one thing I do want to uh, talk about in this episode when Ahsoka mentions that she's only come across one other species. Uh, mm-hmm. which was Master Yoda. And I know that the internet's in a rage about this, and it was my rage straight away. What about what about Yaddle? You know, <laughs> where is Yaddle? So Yaddle was, was you know, she sat around the, the Jedi Council. She's in all of those scenes from the, from the prequels. Yeah, no, I know. And I, I've always wondered, has Yaddle been confirmed as being same species? Because the ears kind of go in a different way, don't they? So I, I, I'm 90% sure you're absolutely right. And look, maybe Ahsoka just never happened to, to cross paths with Yaddle. I, I don't know. But I, 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 I yeah. I can't imagine it. I'm, I'm pretty sure that Anakin was there when, um, you know, we don't run, we don't grant you the rank of master. Now I'm just reading the the Wikipedia wiki page, which is where you know guaranteed to be accurate. Yaddle, a force sensitive female being of the same species as Grandmaster Yoda. Okay, so that sounds pretty canon, right? Look, I've got no answer to that. I've got no answer to it at all. Um, but I did notice one other thing, uh, Dan, and that is that. Uh, have you noticed when Mando looks at someone, he gives a very, what I would describe as a very Daniel Whiting nod when he looks at someone. He just, he, he, he gives that nod. Uh, I really appreciate that for anyone who's never met Dan. He nods like the Mandalorian. I think it comes from wearing a motorbike helmet where you have to like over-exaggerate your head movement sometimes. Right. And I wonder whether that just translates into my real life. And I wonder whether the Mandalorian has the same issue. I need to over-exaggerate my movements. Yeah. I don't know how that was 47 minutes, Dan. The Mandalorian appears to be able to bend time because it just flew by watching that episode. But we're definitely moving through the gears into overdrive with this series. It's surely as good as it can get. Um, So um, this is peak Star Wars. This Christmas, we are going to watch, obviously, we're going to get the last episode, uh, episode eight uh, of the season, just before um, we kind of, everyone breaks for the, the Christmas break. Uh, Samara and I have already talked about watching all eight episodes in a row, but she doubled down on it. She's like, let's not watch all eight. Let's watch all 16. And that's when I knew she was the one. Amazing. That's the way. This is the way. This is the way. That's great. I love that. Shall we Shall we jump across to our other watch of uh, The World Beyond? Because this week, with Fear the Walking Dead having uh, wrapped for this year, we had a double episode of The World Beyond, didn't we? 
We did. So uh, that really caught me off guard. I wasn't ready for the double episode. In fact, I thought it might have been some type of error um, that we had we had two episodes. I am probably going to have – I'm probably going to struggle trying to actually separate what actually happened in those last two episodes. So I'm just going to talk about them like they're one giant episode. Agreed. And just – we say this every week, but if you're not a Walking Dead fan, check out the time codes in the description and feel free to jump ahead. Um, we know it's not a show for everybody. So I guess a lot happened in these two episodes. We got um, a bit more context around what's been happening with uh, Silas and what his potential role was in the in the murder that happened in the group. And we now know that uh, Huck was behind a lot of this. Uh, we've had we've now got a um, Elton has now reconnected with Silas. Um, we've got uh, the group separated. Everyone knows that Huck is now the I guess what what do you call her the 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 agent in the group. The insider. We know the insider. We know that um, Iris. Um, it was they tried to play the episode out like Iris was going was actually the, the the special ingredient needed, but it turns out it was actually Hope. And then by the end of the episode, it turns out it's actually Iris and Hope. But I feel like that's probably just Hope trying to be nice to her sister. It seemed like a very convoluted story to me that we needed to take everyone on an adventure to get Hope to come and help her dad. And I know that Huck kind of set the scene that we needed to kind of show you that, you know, humanity, blah, 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 needed your help, blah, blah, blah. But it was a very, like, this seems like you've literally put your children through a whole bunch of turmoil just to get your help. And these kids are pretty dedicated to you. And if you said, hey, hey, girls, wouldn't mind your help on this big project I'm working on. I'm pretty sure they just would have done it. Yeah, very. You you summed it up completely. The word I was going to use, convoluted, definitely convoluted. I'm going to put that to one side and say that as a double episode, as two back to backs, I found it quite quite compelling. I I was really enjoying it. I really love the fact that the truth is out there in terms of everyone knows what's really going on, that we now know Huck is the insider. I really love seeing the CRM again and Julie Ormond's character. And I I feel like they I feel like we've progressed the story. And I know we've done it over the course of 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 two episodes. Um so you know it's taken a wee while, but um I felt like we got a fair bit of action, a fair bit of tension. I didn't expect some of the things that happened uh to happen so uh I, I got a lot out of it i thought it was good story writing great acting and putting aside the convoluted part i was quite pleased and interesting enough and i know i always talk about this uh both these episodes scoring uh pretty high uh for for this series at 6.8 out of 10 i know that there was um a little bit of uh, internet rumours going around about are we actually going to see Rick Grimes um, mm. at the end of World Beyond or are we going to see some type of indication that Rick Grimes uh, is alive or with the, you know, in, anywhere in the story. And there's actually uh, there's some an article that's just recently come out um, from um, Scott Gimple who wanted to clarify, and the, I'll read you out his quote, Um. Uh, I'm going to say this because I think it's critical to be straight with it. He's not at the facility definitively. Some people might be annoyed that I'm saying that, but I just wouldn't want people expecting that. You know what I mean? I could tease it out, but I want to be straight with the people. I will say, though, even as much as I like 
with the A's and B's, do we find um, do we find out more about this uh, mythology that Rick is tied up in? Absolutely. Is Rick hanging out there? No. Okay. Well, that that is good to know because, funny enough, when I was watching this diner at the end, was almost on the edge of her seat, going, "It's going to be Rick over there. It's going to be Rick," and I'm like it's it's not going to be right if it had if it was going to be right i feel like the internet would have somehow revealed it and sport it for everyone but uh i appreciate scott Gimple doing that i i think it takes it off the table and we can all just sit back and relax and and enjoy the show without that oh is it going to be is it going to be because then i think you've, you're almost distracted i think uh, you know something you said a little bit earlier and now we've talked about this before Watching two episodes of World Beyond in a row was actually a much better experience, and I think it really reconfirmed for me with this show. It would have been a better watch to kind of binge watch this over two nights, five episodes a night, or you know, which is a bit of TV. But I think it would have been much more rewarding. I kind of feel okay that they've kind of wrapped up this story enough that I kind of feel okay with where it's going. And obviously I'm, I'm getting a bit more at one with the fact that this isn't a fast-moving big universe. They intentionally did something quite slow. It will be interesting to see where they take this with the next season, uh, particularly, again, thinking about only one season left, how much story they can actually get out in 10 episodes, particularly that now that the we've kind of got three different parties all in different locations. Yeah, and like I think I am... Um... I think I definitely appreciated um, the, the the whole season finale or mid-season finale type feel and vibe that I got from this episode as compared to the, the Fear of the Walking Dead that we, we spoke about last week. But um, but there we go. Look, we've made it through uh, The Walking Dead season one for 2020 at least. And uh, that's another thing off of the, the Half Measures podcast radar, uh, at least until maybe, I guess, February, whenever next year. Yeah, so yeah, no, look, definitely it's been, look, it's been an experience. Um, I'm, it'll be interesting to maybe go back and watch when uh, season two of World Beyond comes out, you know, maybe refresh ourselves with um, World Beyond season one and see and actually see how it does watch as a hmm. um, complete package. Should we jump into our movie of the week, Dan? Sounds great. So every week, Paul and I uh, take turns choosing a movie where we have a bit of a review of it. We talk about what we liked about it, what we didn't like about it. If you want to find out what our movie of the week is, you can join our Discord channel where we always announce in there what movie we're going to be watching. So, Paul, what movie did you pick this week? This week, Dan, The Good Liar is the movie of the week, a movie that is airing on Neon here in New Zealand, 2019 movie starring uh, Sir Ian McKellen and Helen Mirren. So the, the the gist of this one is a career con artist played by Sir Ian uh, can hardly believe his luck when he meets a well-to-do widow uh, played by Helen Mirren uh, on an online website. And so as Betty opens her home and life up to him, Rory, Roy, played by Sir Ian, is surprised to find himself caring about a turning what should be a cut-and-dry swindle into the most treacherous tightrope walk of his life. And I found this one really quite enjoyable. It really kept me hooked the whole time. I found it really compelling. I had that sort of mystery of what's going to happen next vibe. Um, I imagine... It, I imagine re-watching this one is likely to not be as good because, of, of course, this movie for me is all about the twists. But for a one-time watch, I thought it was great. How about yourself? 
Yeah, I've got to admit, coming into this one, I came in a little bit hesitant. I saw that it had a, a runtime of uh, one hour forty nine. I saw that its reviews were kind of in the mm. in the sixes and the sevens. But I actually had a, a fantastic time, and I'm glad that I I did. Obviously, Helen Mirren and McCullen, fantastic actors, and I think there's some great twists and turns in this. Some of them I feel like were, you know, you could kind of pick them up front, but I feel like the there's there's still enough surprises in, in there to keep it interesting. I think it's a great story. I actually think it's quite a bit darker than it lets on mm-hmm. um, at the start. Um, and look, I had I really enjoyed it. I I've got no complaints about this movie. Yeah, and I think you know, Ian McKinnon's eighty one as well, but he's still in really. He's really, really sharp, and I think with him and and Dame Helen Mirren, it always had the potential to succeed. I thought, it, like you, it was a clever story. I too was not able to predict anything really that happened before it did, unlike, of course, as normal, my wife Enola Holmes, of course, who once again knew that the whole setup with the Russians and you know the guy with the wire, the Russians, she knew that the setup was for them and not the other way around. I didn't see that coming at all. Um, I didn't see the ending coming i kind of had a feeling that helen mirren's character was going to be you know just not this 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 plain ordinary lady living in a, in a very ordinary house I, I had a feeling that something was gonna happen but i didn't see it being quite as extreme as it did you know going all the way to them being having known each other as, as young teenagers and of course with the circumstances being uh, so horrific for for lily the, the character of um helen mirren did you see that coming yeah no- yeah, um, I, so I I thought that Helen's Helen Mirren's character um, might be using a, a fake identity at the at the start of this because it all just seemed a little bit um, too too perfect. But I, I I definitely didn't see the the bigger twist of them actually knowing each other in their childhood. And I think what kind of th- um, you know often Paul I think about sometimes when we talk about these types of movies, I think about these as the the Sunday movie that, uh, you know, our, our parents or grandparents might go along to see the Sunday matinee, shall we say. Mm. But this was actually, there's some quite violent scenes in this movie mm. that I think would maybe um, send a few people aghast at, at actually what's happening. It is an R rating, and so I guess it was kind of implied, but I never spotted the R rating, and I just saw Sir Ian and Helen Mirren and just, I, I just didn't see it going in that direction, but as awful as it sounds, it was very refreshing to see that it was, uh, it was, it, it did catch me off guard as well. So no, I, I did appreciate that too. Um, did you spot, um, the guy Bryn, uh, that the, the, the guy that was double crossed with the, with the Russians and the, the one that confronted Sir Ian, uh, the actor, Mark Lewis Jones. Yes. Captain Kennedy, uh, from the opening scene in The Last Jedi, he'll always be that guy, you know, the the captain of the First Order's dreadnought ship. I, I haven't seen him in much before, so I really enjoyed seeing him again. Oh, that's, <laughs> that, that, that's a great call. That's a great call. There's, a, there's quite a few great actors in this, isn't there? Mm. Um, Jim, Jim Carter's another great actor that's been around for a long time. Yes. Uh, obviously, he's in uh, Downton Abbey as well. Well spotted. As, a, as, the, as the butler. Um, oh, it, it's, a, it's a good... It's a good watch. I think that if you haven't seen it, hopefully we haven't ruined too much of the the plots and the um, key spoilers for you. But I think it's, you know, sometimes Paul and I talk about, I've got, you've got your parents here, they're visiting, you need to put a movie on. I'd, I'd put this on. I think it's, you know, it, it, 
with all that said about, you know, a little bit of violence and a little bit edgy, I still think it's a movie that I absolutely love. Absolutely. And just on the subject of violence, also language. Some of some of the uh, the language that Sir Ian uses just a couple of times in this movie is so out of character. It's just delicious to watch. It, it really is. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a movie that you can enjoy. I do believe I it is going to be a one-time watch because the, the the twists are what you're hanging out for once you know it you know it but um yeah definite recommendation from me agreed agreed um so yeah as, as we said at the start if you want to find out what our movie of the week is make sure you come along and join our discord channel dan whiting what have you got for me this week in the newsroom what have I got? I've got a few things. So there has been a great loss, Paul. You might have felt the disturbance in the force. Mm. David Prowse, who played um, Darth Vader, has unfortunately passed away at the age of 85, apparently due to COVID complications. Mm. Very, very sad. So much uh, so much about Vader's performance was, of course, attributed to, to James L. Jones' voice, mm-hmm. and, and rightly so. But when you watch Vader and you watch his commanding presence on the screen, uh, he's he's terrifying. And David Price was a, a big guy. He was a, a bodybuilder, you know, weightlifter. He's actually uh, from Bristol in the UK. And uh, if you Google uh, or YouTube search Vader, David Price uh, speaking and actually watch the scenes where he's – uh, like talking to people without the voiceover from James Earl Jones uh, with the Bristol West Country accent coming through. It was a very different Vader experience. It really is. But um, no, uh, a sad, sad day. There's a, a great quote from uh, George Lucas actually um, offered David Prowse the choice between uh, playing Vader or Chewbacca. And he chose, um, he chose Vader because everyone remembers the villain. And I think, it's true, both iconic characters, but obviously he's he's six six. He's a he's a big guy, so he could have done either of those roles. Mm-hmm. Um, but rest in peace, David. Indeed, sad time, sad time. Now, actually, no, I'll come back to this bit of news last. Um, Aquaman two. I don't know if you've seen Aquaman Aquaman one, Paul. So there's been a petition online to remove Amber Heard, and it's now got 1.5 million signatures. So obviously Amber Heard and Johnny Depp have got a a whole bunch of controversy around them, but a a petition with 1.5 million signatures has surely got the the leadership team or whoever at Warner Brothers surely raising an eyebrow at what's going on there, which will be interesting to see what they do with that one. Mm, that's extraordinary that's a lot of signatures I, I don't know how i feel about that because as we've talked about i don't know if we talked about it on the podcast or offline but with that when these situations you just never know what's actually happened what's gone on what, what what's true and what's not and so i i take a very neutral view on this but i just i yeah it's not it's not nice no that's right that's right what has big impacts i think for um both the the movie the series that anyway that's that's a decision that not for the team at half measures to necessarily get involved in correct but one decision the team would like to get involved in is bring back daredevil so a huge campaign has started online um we've talked about daredevil many times on the half measures podcast so obviously there's three seasons of it on netflix all of the marvel tv shows have ended there um both for 
I think a combination of not necessarily the best ratings, kind of some mixed reviews, and obviously Disney Plus um, tidying up that whole Marvel universe and bringing it all under under Disney Plus. Mm. And what's interesting is contractually they weren't allowed to do anything with Daredevil and that for I think it was about three years and that has just expired and so a huge campaign has started to bring back Daredevil and when people say bring back Daredevil they're not just saying bring back the the concept of Daredevil people want Charlie Cox back as Daredevil if you're a fan of the the Netflix shows season three kind of ended when he was really about to embrace um, the, the true Daredevil identity and I for one super hyped if they do this. I think there's a real chance with Moon Knight that they could actually reintroduce Daredevil and kick that series off again. I know that Charlie Cox from recent articles has said he'd be more than keen to play that role. What do you think, Paul? I, I just think it's really exciting. What I love about it is this, the power of the internet and, and how things can happen. And we've talked about this before. The, the, the recent example for me is with the Clone Wars, the, you know, the, the, the Clone Wars being saved, largely being due to the the online community of fans and the same thing here i had a look at the 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 save daredevil twitter account a lot of people involved a lot of interest bringing back charlie cox is as great as daredevil so um yeah i will be watching that news story as it unfolds and i expect dan you'll keep us all up to date on that i will definitely keep you up to date and i'm anything we can do my final bit of news now I'm gonna. You might have seen this link already, but if you haven't, um, you I'll have to flick it through to you. But you know how there's been those Mandalorian posters that have been coming out recently from Disney with Ahsoka on them. They've got the Mandalorian. A fan has made a poster with uh, Sebastian Stan as a younger Luke Skywalker, and this poster is next level. So Sebastian Stan. Um, you may know him as the as uh, Bucky Barnes, the Winter Soldier. Um, but uh, we, we've talked about this before. I don't think we're going to get a Luke Skywalker in The Mandalorian. But this fan poster is spot on. He looks like Return of the Jedi Luke. And again, super hyped if this becomes a reality. You can check out uh, the, the Instagram posters by a guy called uh, Ryan Smallman. And he's got the, the poster on his on his account there and that's me paul that's all the news i've got that's that's incredible the 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 possibility of um a luke skywalker existing in this in this world that isn't played by mark hamill who has said a couple of times now that he, he won't come back as that character so uh that is that is quite exciting look uh i i don't have any news this week per se dan but what i do have is uh some some mail and the old mailbag um so I'll jump into that. Last week, Dan, you and I talked about how much we enjoyed the the Fresh Prince of um, Bel Air um, reunion. Well, Hilary Banks herself, Karen Parsons, retweeted our review of the HBO Max special, which was really nice. And it, it never fails to amaze me who we have retweeting and sharing half measures online. Uh, speaking of which, um, my review last week of the Medical Saw episode five zero. Um, that was shared on Twitter by Gordon Smith. He was the writer of the episode who I was praising last week. So that was awesome. And also Chris McCaleb, who's the show's editor. So again, awesome stuff. I feel like the Better Call Saul sort of 
behind the scenes guys they're kind of like our extended family den so whenever this sort of thing happens it feels like we're, we're getting even closer to a you know amc in that respect uh what else have we got um peak performance for gene hackman last week that got a few responses uh norman from mission log podcast he went with uh, mississippi burning like yourself he also pointed out that gene's uh, never had a bad movie. He also acknowledged how much he loved the the Star Trek scene in Crimson Tide that I talked about last week on the pod. No surprise there as a big Star, Star Trek fan. Uh, someone on Twitter uh, with the username Hykem, uh, who's from North Hykem in the UK, he tweeted us their peak performance as being a Gene Hackman movie called Narrow Margin, 1990 film about an LA deputy DA who's sent to protect a woman who accidentally witnessed a, a mafia murder. I've not seen it. I've got to be honest, I'll give it a go. Hackman's always good value. Um, Frank Barrow, who plays Starstream in Transformers for Cybertron and, of course, introduces every episode of our podcast. He tweeted us um, regarding the news we spoke about last week um, for Earthrise that comes out next month. Uh, and I quote, he said, you guys totally have got the touch and the power. And I think if you know what that song is from, then you'll get it. And if not, you need to YouTube uh, transformers the touch and you'll and you'll find out anyway it's always great to hear from frank i feel like 2020 may have been the year where the wheel got flipped turned upside down with uh with, with covid but uh for me it's also the year that our childhood hero starscreen became a whole lot more real for us uh what else have i got here oh, okay so back to peak performance sorry yeah i missed a couple here over on instagram we had geek girl review uh she went with the first superman movie as her pick for for gene hackman and then over on facebook patty uh, for time traveling team went with the three, two, one of persuading adventure unforgiven and his winner was uh, Mississippi burning as well. And Paddy also dropped us a line to say that he has a theory about chapter 12 of the Mandalorian. He thinks that those troopers at the end that we see Moff Gideon admiring at the end are actually Mandalorians that have been converted into death troopers. So I thought that was quite an interesting theory, Dan. Come on, Patty. I'm not sure about this one. This is a that, that would be no, that's no, that that's uh that would be good. I I feel like we could be seeing some interesting showdowns if they are Mandalorians or if they're potentially Mandalorian clones. You know, there's all sorts of different um, paths and options that can go down there. Good one, Patty. I like where your head's at. Uh, what else have I got here? The, so, Dan, you recently watched and talked about barbarians on the podcast. Uh, and we had um, DLB from Johnsonville, New Zealand, uh, tweet us saying he really wanted to watch it, but the English dubbing is the worst. So he had to watch it with subtitles. And Dan, I think you and I generally always go with subtitles for any foreign language uh, TV series or movie, don't we? I think you have to. I think, you know, there's, you're never going to have a great time watching it with the dub unless it's a movie or, sorry, a, a TV show like Dark where you need to really understand some finite details. Mm. But I actually think in Barbarian, it's short enough. It's only six episodes. Definitely worth watching with the subtitles. You'll have a far better experience. Um, if you really can't stomach it and you want to put the subtitles on, I find I have to make sure I'm kind of like distracting myself on my phone or I'm not looking at their at their mouths do the talking because that's when it, it starts to feel really horrible. Yeah. And 
that's yeah that is actually the the mailbag for for this week so if you'd like to be in next week's mailbag get in touch with us on facebook twitter or instagram where you'll find us at half measures pod or you can join the discord channel where you'll find dan and myself chatting with a whole bunch of people in there we've got virgil we've got davros dave we've got samara we've got freckle pretzel we've got fat muffins we've got sadel well that is when he's not listening to records or playing world of warcraft but yeah come along and join the conversation and throw down your thoughts on what you've been watching yeah so as you may have noticed we we're skipping over peak performances this week but we'll be back with those next week i've got uh i've, I've got plans i'm a busy guy paul i've got places to be so slightly shorter episode which will be i'm sure great for everyone um you know, from our normal hour and a half episode. So thanks to our Patreon producers of the show, Trisha Brady and Samara King. Um, if you too would like to become a, a Patreon producer of the show, then you can find those details in the show notes. But until next week, everyone, adios.